And so far, we haven't heard any reason from Ferrari why the suspension failed. Um, I mean, forgive me, but if they knew that the track was bumpy, they saw that it was bumpy, surely you would want to make doubly certain that your suspension can take the bumps or maybe just ask Vettel to take extra care to try not to get onto the bumps. Welcome to the Forza F1 podcast. I'm Aaron Jenkins, the editor of Forza Magazine, and with me, as always, is Andrew Frankel, Forza's Formula One editor. After snatching six consecutive pole positions, Ferrari fell to second place in qualifying for the United States Grand Prix, albeit by only 12 one-thousandths of a second, with Sebastian Vettel trailing Valtteri Bottas. Things completely fell apart for the Scuderia at the start of the race, however, with Vettel falling all the way back to seventh place by the beginning of the second lap, after being passed by Verstappen, Hamilton, Leclerc, McLaren's Lando Norris, and Renault's Daniel Ricciardo. The day, team boss Benotto's 50th birthday didn't get much better for Ferrari, with Leclerc finishing fourth and Vettel retiring. Andrew, you were there at Circuit of the Americas. What was the atmosphere like on the ground as Ferrari faltered so badly? Well, the the atmosphere was absolutely fabulous. The the whole town, a bit like Montreal, goes uh, F1 crazy. The, the, I, I found the, the, the locals incredibly friendly. Um, if, if, if you looked as though you were hesitating on a street corner, someone said, well, you know, can I help you? You seem lost, you know, that sort of attitude. Um, the circuit was a total sellout. Uh, there wasn't a seat to be had. Saturday, I think, maybe was nearly full. On Sunday, it was definitely full. Um, of course, all the ice cream vendors and everybody else were making an absolute fortune. <laughs> one rather enterprising outfit had an ATM machine right next to the bar, which I've never seen before. I thought it was quite amusing. So I, 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 I loved it. And uh, it was much more than, than, than Ferrari or much more than Lewis. It was just a festival. And of course, there was some music on the Friday, on the Saturday evening as well. Um, yeah, it's good to be back. And may I just digress for a second and welcome some new listeners. Um, we were all on the same flight back from uh, Austin and there was a slight delay so we got to know each other. So welcome new listeners and see you on the next flight to Austin this time next year. Uh, going back to the atmosphere on the ground, was there a strong Ferrari contingent in Austin? The same way that we get the uh, Dutch fans filling the stands with orange T-shirts? It's very interesting. There were lots and lots and lots of Ferrari caps and T-shirts. But, um, and this is the thing I've mentioned this before during previous podcasts, that they mix. So it's, it's not a matter of having a grandstand full of orange T-shirts. We've got the Mercedes supporters, we've got the Ferrari supporters, we've got the Renault supporters, and they all mingle beautifully, and they, they rather enjoy talking to each other. So there is none of the animosity that uh, manifests itself, let us say, at uh, American soccer or British soccer or, uh, you know, games when... Uh, fans literally have to be separated even before the game and sometimes the games are interrupted because they throw stuff onto 
the pitch. And so, no, it's very, very jovial. I didn't hear a loud word or, or I, I'm biased. I loved it. There might not have been any animosity with the fans, but there's certainly been a bit of bluster from uh, Red Bull in particular and Mercedes to a lesser degree accusing Ferrari of cheating. And the FIA issued a technical clarification, I guess you'd call it, stating that you're not allowed to siphon oil from the intercooler into the combustion chamber to increase power. And just a few days after that, suddenly Ferrari is well off the pace. Red Bull's Max Verstappen said, well, that's what happens when you stop cheating. Bonotto had some not-so-kind words to Christian Horner about that afterward. What's your take about either the accusations of cheating or the loss of speed in Austin? And what are you hearing from the journalists that you're in contact with around the world? Well, we were all in, the grand, uh, we were all in this beautiful... Uh, press room together, and I must say they did look after the press magnificently. Um, and yes, it was wonderful to be able to talk to all my colleagues for three or four years, uh, rather three or four days. I'm sorry, um, but there are there are people who love Ferrari, and there are people who are not so much in love with Ferrari, partly because they get an extra, I think, hundred million just to be at the races. Yes. Um, so, um, and that is, uh, you know, some people feel it's unfair. My feeling is that, you know, if Ferrari were to leave the sport, I, I'm sure that Austin would not be uh, full. I would say that at least half the, the, half the stands are filled because of Ferrari by people, even though if they're not Ferrari supporters. To a lot of people, Ferrari is unanimous with F1 and um, a little bit of sour grapes by Red Bull and the others. Um, having said that, of course, um, Ferrari did not win the world championship, If I'm, unless I'm very much mistaken. Uh, Hamilton won something like 10 out of 16 races. So, um, Clearly, Ferrari did something. It, it only worked at two or three races. I would rather not accuse um, Ferrari of cheating. Let's put it this way. Um, a number of people said to me, Brazil will be interesting. And if, if they get nearly lapped like um, Leclerc, I mean, 56, 50 seconds lap, you know, behind at the end of the race. I mean, that is hugely embarrassing after running away at Spa and running away at Monza. So there will always be people that it's there is something fishy there. Um, let's see what happens in the next two races. Um, did they dial back a little bit? Maybe. Yeah, according to Ferrari, the real cause of their loss of speed was that they, they adjusted the balance of the car to emphasize hand cornering ability over straight line speed, which makes sense to some degree, but it also seems an odd decision since it's their straight line speed that has that earned them three consecutive victories and six consecutive pole positions. But I agree. I think we will find out in Brazil if they have flopped back down or if or if Austin, a very cold Austin, was just an anomaly. Weather aside, Austin was also surprisingly bumpy. Apparently, the, the, the ground under the track is shifting, and overnight between the sessions, they were out there shaving off the, the bumps on the track, and it looked pretty brutal watching on TV. How did it look like on when you were there? It looked absolutely fabulous. 
Um, you know, if you, if you, I mean, some some of our listeners will recall uh, the Nurburgring, the old Nurburgring, where at a place called uh, I think it's Brünchen, something like that, um, they were actually flying through the air, all four wheels, you know, off the deck. It was very spectacular. Um, and um, I, I personally agree with uh, with Daniel Ricciardo, who was in tremendous form, by the way, uh, entertaining the crowds and dressing like, like a Texan. I mean, he's a real showman, and he does have a sense of humor. Um, he thought it was great. Uh, I agree with him. I think it's nice to see... Um, but, you know, it's not like a billiard table and you've really got to concentrate. And, of course, my my heart, it's not my heart, actually, it's more of an outrage that out of 20 cars, one had a suspension failure and it had to be Sebastian Vettel. So all the other suspensions survived these horrendous so-called bumps and Armand Fettel retired after, what, six, seven laps? I mean, it was very, very disheartening. No, I <laughs> I agree with you completely on that. And so far, we haven't heard any reason from Ferrari why the suspension failed. Um, I mean, forgive me, but if they knew that the track was bumpy, they saw that it was bumpy, surely you would want to make doubly certain that your suspension can take the bumps or maybe just ask Vettel to take extra care to not go out that far and at the risk of, if you like, finishing seventh, try not to get onto the bumps. You didn't have to get onto the bumps. One person who didn't have a problem with the bumps was Valtteri Botas, who qualified on pole position and after a not very inspiring to watch, but practically perfect in every way drive scored his fourth win of the season uh this is his best season in f1 to date obviously he wasn't a contender for the title for after the first third of the season say um but this was as they called him botas 2.0 reappeared and maybe we'll see him get a strong finish to the season again um but a good day for him all around well it comes back i think to the fact that um, he was signed up again. Yes, he, you mentioned he, that he last was, time. I mentioned it last time, and he was a little bit of a nervous wreck, not knowing. And he actually said, oh, I'm sure I'll get a seat somewhere. <laughs> now, you only say that yeah. if you've got problems. Um, but Toto Wolf decided that um, it was a good idea to keep him. He and Lewis got on well. And let me just say that um, I'm absolutely delighted that they let him win the race. There was no hocus-pocus because, um, obviously, you know, Lewis winning the championship and all of that, some people would have preferred him to actually finish first. He tried. He tried very hard. He very, very hard to win. And I'm delighted that uh, the, the team did not instruct Bottas to, if you like, spin off accidentally or miss a gear accidentally. They let him get onto the top and um, and all credit to Mercedes for doing it the, the honest way. Yeah, and, and Valtteri had to pass Lewis on track in oh, the closing yeah. laps. And then Hamilton held on to hold off uh, Verstappen to keep him in third place, which would have won Lewis the title anyway. 
Uh, let me ask you something going back to Votas, Botas being rehired. Um, last year, of course, Ferrari kept Vettel and replaced Kimi Raikkonen, the clear number two, with Charles Leclerc. And Leclerc has emerged, arguably, as the number one at Ferrari this year. But whatever the case, he has. it appears he's raised Vettel's game along with his own performance. From Mercedes' perspective, with Hamilton being at the top of his game, would it have been detrimental to put Ocon, who was waiting in the wings and ended up at Renault instead, in that seat? Would that have? Do you think that would have upset the balance? No. Nope. And how did that... Oh, no, no, I, I, I think Ocon, I'm sorry, I beg your pardon. I think Ocon would have been absolutely fine, but, you know, he and, and Botter, you know, Volteri and, and Lewis know each other. I don't think he knows Ocon particularly well. He had no idea what to expect from Ocon on the track. But we'll see how good Ocon is once he's settled in at uh, Renault. Alongside Daniel Ricciardo. Alongside Ricciardo, who, of course, is right now driving absolutely brilliantly. I mean, to pass Vettel and fighting for something like sixth place, which for Renault is almost unheard of, um, you should have seen the smile on Alan Prost's face. I mean, Alan and I go back a very, very long way, and I congratulated him, and he, for once, seemed like a very, very happy boy. Prost is works for Renault now. Is he the director of competition? Yes, he's the director of of the team, director of the team, if you like. He's not the principal. He's sort of a Nicky Lauda figure to... Absolutely. Cyril Abitbulls. Yes, and and talking of Nicky, a lot of people pay tribute to Nicky. Including Lewis. Including Lewis, um, because, um, I mean, he was a bit special. Let's take a quick break to talk about Forza Magazine. Here on the podcast, Andrew and I talk about Formula One, as you'd expect. But every issue of Forza reports on the wider world of Ferrari. Think road tests of new and classic cars, histories and profiles, interviews and news, racing, and so much more. So check it out. Learn more at our website, forza-mag.com. That's F-O-R-Z-A-M-A-G.com. Well, I guess that brings us to Lewis. So he finished the day in second, won his sixth world championship, becoming only the second driver in history to do that behind Michael Schumacher. He's He has the most pole positions. He's won the second highest number of races, 83 to Schumacher's 91. He's won a third of the races he's entered in his entire career. He holds the most pole positions with 87. The list goes on and on and on. What else can you say about him? Uh, I can tell you exactly uh, what what I would like to say. Um, I had a long chat with his mom, Carmen. Carmen was there. The father was there. Um, the whole family, stepmother, godmother, call it what you like, you know, literally. Uh, he wanted to share the joy, the occasion with the entire family. And Carmen said, you have absolutely no idea about the hardship. Very few people remember, in amongst all the glitter and everything else, that Lewis's father had three jobs. Um, she would be, they lived in a very, very humble little place, a place called Stevenage in a council house. Um, and they sacrificed absolutely everything so that Lewis could go to this go-kart track um, 
I've been to the go-kart track. It's, and just to get to the go-kart track from Stevenage was in itself quite a long way. And it's a go-kart track he shared with uh, uh, Jensen Button, another champion. Fascinating. Um, and just to make it more interesting, it was also owned by uh, John Surtees, who, of course, was world champion on two, two, two wheels and, and, of course, 64, I believe, in a Ferrari. Yes. Um, so there are lots of historical stuff going there. But Lewis did say that he thought he was going to be the last, the, the last guy to have to come from very humble beginnings because all these new guys seem to have not just sugar daddies, but millionaire, billionaire daddies, uh, such as um, Stroll, you know, I mean, bought a team for his little son, for God's sake. And he was, I mean, the son was so pathetic uh, at Austin. Oh, he said, I'm now 21. I can have my first drink in America. Zapparuni, I mean, he, he, he's on a different level. To be fair, given his day in Austin, that might be the best thing that happens to him. Uh, yes. Yes, you're absolutely right. But I must say, Lewis, Lewis is not terribly happy with all these what I call school children, 19 and 20-year-olds. Um, he, he does feel that he had to work very, very hard and not just eat humble pie, but he was eating his mum's cooking, you know, by the side of the go-kart track for years and years and years, whereas these guys are, if you like, parachuted in. Uh, not into American universities, but um, into Formula One. Well, I think we had a similar argument when Nico Rosberg and Hamilton were um, co-driving at Mercedes, and you have something to say about Nico momentarily. But there was a there was a strange um, dichotomy between them, where Nico was the silver spooner, his father was a world champion, he grew up in Monaco, and he had all the possible advantages, and he took full advantage of them to become a world champion. And there's no taking that away from him wherever he started, whereas Lewis came from virtually nothing uh, and has now won sixth. And just to stick with Lewis for a second, I was looking back at the records this morning. He missed the world championship by one point in his rookie season, which was when Kimi Raikkonen won, and then he won it in his second year. He was teammates with Fernando Alonso that first year and tied him. For a rookie, that's utterly astonishing. That was within two years of Fernando winning his second world championship. And Fernando obviously is considered one of the greats in Formula One history. Well, you're absolutely right. Coming back to Nico, I, I have to be honest. I've, I didn't like him when he was racing. I like him even less now. He was at Austin a more conceited, more stuck-up person of yet to meet. Yes, he was world champion once. I personally have a funny feeling that it was gifted to him by Mercedes because they thought it would be nice to have a German champion. I'm sure I'll get some emails telling me that I'm completely wrong. But all I'm saying is that, okay, be just a little bit more gracious and just be a little bit nicer to the rest of the world. Um, yeah, I'm afraid... I. You know, on, on but that point, I have to also say that I've been a little bit critical of Mr. Bottas over the podcast, and I kept saying that he's the most boring person in the world. Uh, revision time. He's, now that he is winning and now that he is back in the saddle, so to speak, he is far more entertaining, far more pleasant, far more 
um, moving with the times. And it's, it's really nice to see that he's still not the most entertaining guy in Formula One, but it's nice to see him coming into his element. Leaving aside the German team and German driver conspiracy theories for a minute, looking ahead to 2020, it seems that Hamilton Mercedes could win it again. A couple podcasts ago, I asked you if you thought that Lewis was one of was the best or the second best driver in F1 history, as the statistics would say, and you said no. If if he goes on to win his seventh title next year, tying Schumacher, would that change your mind? It's a very interesting question. And of course, as they say, social media is completely full of this uh, all over the world. You know, uh, the problem is that Fangio, long time ago, a lot of people today wouldn't even remember that there was somebody called Fangio. Um, certainly wouldn't remember there was a four times world champion called uh, Alain Prost. Jackie Stewart, they would remember because Jackie is still around a great deal. And through, you know, sponsorship deals and think he's forever up on the podium and so on and so forth. Gives lots of interviews. Um, Does Heineken commercials. As far as Senna is concerned, and I was very, very fortunate um, to have known him and watched him race, such as the race at Donington in 93. But of course, people say to me, well, wait a minute, how about Lewis at Silverstone in the pouring rain? Um which again was absolutely brilliant. But there is some some aura about Ayrton, which is very, very difficult to define. Um, I may have mentioned earlier before we started the podcast that there was a concession stand at Austin selling Senna T-shirts and jackets. And this is a guy whom we lost 25 years ago. So there must be something special about him because he's the only... I mean, I didn't see a single Fangio T-shirt. I, I saw some Michael Schumacher T-shirts. But to have a stand all to yourself 25 years on indicates that there had to be some something, some special charisma about him. And uh, let me also say that, unfortunately, and it most definitely is not Lewis's fault, it's to his credit, there are some people in this world will still have to grow up and not hold against him his color. I think it's outrageous, you know. I mean, you might as well blame Oscar Peterson or, or Martin Luther King. I mean, it's, it's, it's pathetic, but there is still some prejudice. And, and I would just like to say I truly deplore it. I heard a short opinion piece from one of the BBC commentators who rated Hamilton higher than both Senna and Schumacher. And the reason he did so was because Lewis is a clean driver. He didn't intentionally run into Prost. Prost intentionally ran into Senna. Senna intentionally ran into Prost. Schumacher intentionally ran into everyone when the title was on the line twice. I think you're absolutely right. And the BBC guy is also absolutely right. When it comes to... Um being a clean driver, Ayrton certainly wasn't, and Michael Schumacher wasn't. It's very hard to define uh, Ayrton's charisma, um, but it must still be with us. Otherwise, people, you know, I, I don't want to lower the tone, people would not be lining up to buy T-shirts and sweatshirts. But having said that, Lewis is very special. I should, we should really mention that he's now becoming very involved 
and I don't just mean his fashion thing and all that sort of music composing business, but his his social conscience is emerging and spending more and more money on. He's very concerned about the world. Now, this sounds a silly thing to say, but he is becoming, you know, very environmentally conscious, a little bit like that, you know, young Swedish lady who is, you know, uh, uh, Greta Thunberg. Greta Thunberg. You know, I think they're astonishing, but I think they're more or less on the same page. He gave up the private jet. He doesn't eat meat. He's a 200% vegan, more and more money to charity. Um, and he's not the only one. People are beginning to realize that either we go that away or we've got serious problems. I think it's interesting that Senna and Schumacher were actually donated a lot of money to charity as well. I think it was the Indian Ocean Tsunami. Schumacher donated something like $10 million to the recovery efforts, but you didn't hear about it, and you didn't really hear about Senna either. Part of this is just because I think social media, uh, Lewis has a platform to speak directly to these things. But still, it's, it's, it's remarkable how he is using his um, his platform, as it were, to talk about these causes. And I can't think of another F1 driver who said anything about anything except racing all year. Some of them, some of these what I call school children, of course, um, all they know is, is uh, you know, pressing buttons and going around circuits. And what bothers me is that the technology is such that they can come these newbies, these 19, 20-year-olds can come within half a second of Lewis Hamilton. So there should be more driver and less technical stuff in my book to differentiate between the greats and what I would call the also ends. So next up is the Brazilian Grand Prix, if anybody's still watching. And after that, if anybody's still watching, is the season finale at Abu Dhabi. Uh, we'll be watching, of course. And I'll, as we mentioned earlier, I'm very curious to see if Ferrari regains the speed that it mysteriously lost in the U.S. when we get to Interlagos. What are your predictions for the race? Well, Brazilians, of course, even forget Senna for a second, they are fanatical about motor racing. And they've had a number of other drivers, such as Felipe Messa, who, if you recall, was world champion for 10 seconds before Lewis managed to get past... Timo Glock. Timo Glock, of all people. And um, that was... Um, that, that actually, that footage of, of Massa's father's smile for 10 seconds and then the total devastation afterwards is one of those unbelievable moments in Formula One. Um, so they'll all be there. Um, Yes, they'll be celebrating. Um, hopefully, none of the drivers will get robbed and held up at gunpoint, which tends to happen every single year. Will Lewis win? Oh, one thing's for sure. Lewis will, dri will drive as fast in Brazil as in Melbourne, you know, way back in March. He would love to win it. Bottas, of course, is in tremendous form. As you've just said, will the Ferraris, because there are some hills, you know, where you can use the extra power if you still have it. Um, and Verstappen nearly won in Interlagos, was it two years ago when he tried to pass the back marker? Yes, he was absolutely brilliant. I mean, I, look, Verstappen, for all his uh, brashness, because he is brash, um, 
is, is good box office. He's tremendous box office. And he's a very, very good driver. The car is good. They have a right to switch from Renault to Honda. Love to see him on the podium. So uh, my prediction would probably be uh, Lewis, Bottas, and Verstappen with our boys coming in fourth and fifth. Ouch. If, if, if the same Ferrari that showed up in Austin shows up in Brazil, I'll agree with you 100%. If Ferrari's back on form... I will predict Leclerc will take the win, followed by Hamilton, followed by Vettel. That's it for this episode of the Forza F1 podcast. Join us in a few weeks after the Brazilian Grand Prix. Thanks for listening this week. We'd love to hear from you, so get in touch if you have any questions or comments via our website, forza-mag.com. That's F-O-R-Z-A-M-A-G.com. You can follow us on social media at Forza Mag, F-O-R-Z-A-M-A-G, no hyphen.